From WHYY and BillyPenn.com, it is hitting season. Hey there, everybody. I'm John Stolnes from The Good Fight. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. And coming up, we're going to recap this Phillies versus Rocky series and not talk at all about the 76ers. I, I can't even imagine that they are even on anybody's mind listening to this here podcast. Instead, you can revel in a series win against the Rockies, even though Sunday's game was kind of disappointing, made for a kind of a, a gloomy Sunday sports day here in Philadelphia on Mother's Day. But um, first of all, a happy Mother's Day, belated Mother's Day, because by the time most of you are listening to this, it'll be the Monday after Mother's Day. But hope everyone got a chance to spend time uh, with your moms or with your wife as she's the mother to your children, however or, it all works for you. Or with your actual children, if you are a mother. That too. Yep. And, and that you, you are like able six or seven of you. That's right. All right. That's right. I mean, able to pull yourself away from the screen in order to actually enjoy a day for the mothers out there. We hope you're all able to do that because I, I get the feeling you all would have a much uh, healthier mindset uh, entering, the, <laughs> entering the week here after what we saw on Sunday. But joining me as they do every week are my good friends Liz Rocher and Justin Clue. Liz, of course, from Yahoo Sports. You can follow her on Twitter at Liz Rocher. Liz, after a day like today, how are you doing? Uh, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm certainly full of more alcohol than I was at the beginning of this day. I'll say that sure. much. Well, I would hope that it wouldn't start right at the start of the day. So generally speaking, I think that's, that's the wise uh, order of business. It was a Sixers game seven. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. really, you start early is the point <laughs> because it's going to end the way it ended. Aww. Yeah. So yeah. I'm doing great, John. Things are fab. Well, that's great. And now I'll ask Justin Clue, writer of Baseball Prospectus, and you can follow him on Twitter at Justin underscore Clue, the same question. Justin, I know we're not Sixers sickos like we are about the Phillies, but uh, I imagine everybody who grew up a Philadelphia sports fan in some way was at least paying attention to what was going on in Game 7. Well, I, I think the natural flow of things is that everybody has their number one team, maybe a 1A and 1B, of the teams we follow in Philadelphia. And the rule generally is... If one of them makes the playoffs, even if it's not one of your teams, you're in. You're a psycho you're for that team. Like yeah, that's yeah, yeah. you. You switch to psycho mode, and I think everybody was doing that. And all I was really gonna say about today's 76ers basketball game was, if you're not gonna show up figuratively, consider not showing up literally, because <laughs> no one wants to see a bunch of losers lose a basketball game. That's right. Thanks. I, and and the only thing I'll say about it, and again, I don't claim to. I I, I grew up watching a ton of Sixers basketball, like the Charles Barkley, Rick Mahorn era. Obviously, the Iverson run was was magic, but it, that Iverson run's really been the only time in the last three and a half decades that uh, th they've managed to uh, get any kind of run to the finals going. And it's just been it's been so much mediocrity. Man, if you're the if you're the MVP of the league and you see things starting to slip away in the second half, how do you not just say I'm not passing the ball to anybody? It's I'm I'm shooting every shot. I'm take if we go down and we lose by 25, then that's that's fine, but your your guy has to be the guy like the MVP has to take over the game and it just he just doesn't do that. And and I don't know if that means I don't know what that means cuz again, I'm not a Sixers 
I'm not a Sixers expert. This is not a Sixers podcast. It's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about the Phillies, but um, that's what's on everybody's mind right now. I feel like there's a lot of overlap right now. You know, I, I mean, P.J. Tucker drove the bus pretty much for half of that basketball game. Dear he's the God. Worst, he's the worst basketball player on that <laughs> basketball team. Uh, and I, I guess from vibes alone, uh, as, as we're going to get to, there was just some like cross wiring of the Philly sports vibes today as the feelings that the Phillies were exhibiting at the Rockies mm. were the feelings I wanted. I was exhibiting at the 76ers. Yeah. So yeah, there was some, there was some emotional uh, overlap today that I, that I think is uh, making all of this very relevant. Yeah. I mean, I, and we're going to get to that first here, the game on Sunday, because I, I think it was really interesting. The Phillies win this series. First of all, it's the first time they've won a series in Colorado since 2012. Yeah. It's been, how is, first of all, after wins on Friday and Saturday, we knew they were going to win the series. How is it possible that a team as bad as the Rockies have been for the better part of a decade, <laughs> this Phillies team has not been able to go into Colorado since 2012 and sweep a series and win a series, not sweep a series, win a series. It's crazy. My joke after learning that, which was just from Tom McCarthy saying it offhandedly as yeah. the game was signing off, was like, oh, yeah, how did they not? Oh, right, because they were like bad for 10 years. But like, I would like to formally rescind that joke because 10 years, I don't care if you're the worst team in baseball, which they were for one of those years. Yeah. I don't care. You can win a series in a particular stadium once over the right. course of 10 years. That's inexcusable. That's that's stupid. I was waiting to hear what year he said when he's like, oh, they, they haven't won a series here since. And I assumed he was going to say 2020. 2019, yeah. something right. you know, something like that. Like, oh, wow, the Rockies have really had their number. We're talking about over a decade. A generation of yeah. Phillies fans have not seen the Phillies win in Colorado. How is the bar that low? <laughs> I'm just, to be fair, it's not like they're in their division. They didn't play them a billion times. They only play them in Colorado once a year. So I can see how that happens, considering that the Philly that the Rockies are sort of like the the Marlins were for a while. Like they just could not win. They could not string more than one, just one win they could get there. Like it was always that I always remember that. Cause I remember that one weird Kyle Kendrick start where he was like you know, great. Yeah, Jason, Jason Giambi also destroyed the that might have been at home, though. Anyway, the point is, though, you're, you you make a point that, that, yes, they only played there once a year, but 10 years means 10 <laughs> times playing the Rockies. Yeah, at true. no point were they such an unstoppable team that a middling to poor Phillies team couldn't have won two out of three baseball yeah. games against them. There's no I, there, I, I there's am no flabbergasted. Excuse. There's at no, no point. There's no excuse. Yeah. At nope. no point were they good enough to do that. They have no. been they, bad for a while. But they won the one now. Which Yeah, they won know, one I, now. I'm hearing myself and feeling the feelings in my chest right now. I'm like, wow, I'm getting really mad about this. And I don't have to. It's I Sixers don't have overlap. To. This is it's, other it's anger. Runoff. It's runoff. It's 76ers runoff. Is what I need is. to yeah. address that. Yeah, that's yeah. not, this is not real. This is from something else. Okay. Well, and part of me is wondering if the Phillies had the 76ers game on in the background in the clubhouse <laughs> here on Sunday because well, uh, pe pe people, were, people were getting hot. This was an emotional weekend and Bryce Harper seemed to be at the center of it. The Phillies lost on Sunday 4 to nothing. Uh, Aaron Nola had a had a kind of a shaky first inning thanks to some pretty 
lackluster defense that he really didn't deserve to give up two runs in that first inning. He did give up another couple of runs in the fifth, so he ended up going seven innings and giving up four runs. He has a 4-5-3 ERA on the season now. The Phillies really lost this game because they went 0-14 with runners in scoring position, which... I, you know, listen, they've been better with runners in scoring position as of late. The, the offense has been better as of late. I'm not going to get on them too much for a game like this. It, it happens every once in a while. You, left, you leave 10 guys on base, and they'd already won the series. It's not great. It's not ideal. What I think is great is that this team showed fight, even in losing 4 to nothing. Like, their, their, their minds were into it, and... The, the incident that we're talking about where everybody got hot, most of you have probably seen the highlights now, but Bryce Harper getting ejected um, after after a, a Phillies rally fizzled uh, in, what was it, I guess the, the seventh inning. Um, but so apparently the, the Rockies pitcher, who, uh, Bird, what's his first name? I can't remember Jake. the... They're all named Jake, John. There's a Jake with a monosyllabic last name on every team in baseball. I don't know how this happened, but the Rockies is named Jake Bird. That's got to be my go-to name now. Yeah, that's a good point. So as he's coming off the field, he gets out of an inning. He didn't pitch particularly well, but he's he's walking off. He starts jawing at the Phillies bench. Now he's they they'd already lost they'd lost the first two games of the season of the series. Uh, the the Rockies are horrible. They have a terrible record. They're not a good baseball team. And so Bryce Harper takes exception to it. He he goes after him and and they're screaming at each other. The 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 bench is empty. And this is this is one day after Bryce Harper got into it with some young Rockies fans sitting behind the plate who apparently were needling him at at saying different things during the course of the game. <laughs> and then he obliterated a baseball to Saturn. Yes. So like- <laughs> I don't know if there's a Major League Baseball player who, in the wake of being trash-talked, has hit baseballs into the stratosphere <laughs> in response than Bryce Harper. Yep. His trash talk reversed and jammed back into the faces of the trash talkers per nine has to be off the off the charts. Off the charts. It does. Oh, man, what a great stat. <laughs> yeah, he, he did that against Cole Hamels. Remember when uh-huh. Cole, hit, Cole yeah. hit him? And it was yep. a, there was, oh, I know there are other instances, too, that I'm not remembering at the moment. Yeah, there, I, there's there plenty of other times. At least two other times where he was, like, waving at fans who were heckling him as he was rounding third base or something. Like, he, he knows how to do that. It's crazy. He said after the game, uh, talking about what happened, he says, I get emotion. I understand getting fired up after an inning, talking about Jake Bird and stuff like that. But once you make it about a team or make it about yourself and the other team, that's when I've got a problem with it. You guys saw my reaction. I wasn't very happy. He did what he did, and after that, he kind of flew away, went into the dugout. He gestured, come on, but that was about it. I didn't really see anything else. After that point, I was just, I went out there to just go. JT was right behind me. Taiwan, the same thing. I appreciate my teammates for coming out with me and doing that. Heat of the moment, that kind of thing. But like I said, once we got out there, he kind of flew into the dugout and just went away, and nobody really saw him after he did what he did. (laughs) Real quick, real quick, real quick. Yeah, yeah. Is Bryce Harper, like, getting lessons from scott boris is the is the flew away thing a reference to his last name being bird like is that is that something that's happened? Oh, he I said it twice i didn't even think about that it was like an odd choice of words and he said it twice and Maybe. i was like is it this must a thing? Be, he must <laughs> i'll say this bryce harper probably think that's incredibly clever the problem is that it's not. No, the problem is that no one knows who what's his name jake bird uh, no one knows who that is. I almost called him Jake Cave just now. <laughs> yes. That's on him. Yeah, that's the problem is that it would be clever if anyone knew who he was, which is sort of yeah. the issue with all of this 
to start with. You don't yell, come on, at a former MVP of the National League. Yeah, come on over here after I pitched sort of like crap. Remember when Hector Neris closed out the Dodgers and it was a point in time where the Dodgers were like the best team in the National League. The Phillies were average at best. And he like yelled into the dugout after getting the save. And the Dodgers were mad. And generally you were like... (laughs) Okay, but, like, Hector has blown a bunch of saves against the Dodgers, and they are going to the playoffs, and the Phillies are not, and I think the right. Dodgers won the first two games of that series anyway. So, like, and Hector's the day, just a sweet boy. He just I, got excited. You know? what, are we, what are we doing here? What are we doing, Dodgers, getting upset at this guy for this reason at this point in the season? What are we doing, Hector? Yelling at the Dodgers as though you have somehow proven you're better than them. You you have not in that moment. We still suck. Thank you. Uh, so then today to see Jake Bird kind of pull in a similar moment. If you're going to be the guy who starts a brawl, you got to be a guy. Like an yeah, actual guy. guy. Jake Bird's not a guy. And nope. the fact that he left while everyone else fought the brawl he started. Dude, I know what kind of, I know what kind of bird that is. That's... And, it's a chicken. <laughs> it's 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 one of Jose Alvarado's uh, uh, chickens that he hangs up in the in, in the dugout, which we got to get to in a, in a little bit here too. Now I um, I have a question. Speaking yeah. of guys who are the guy to start fights, was Hunter Strickland a guy? <laughs> uh, I guess in that case, he's at least the guy. He started it and then was in it. You know, yeah. he didn't run off the field after he threw. Yeah, it that is Harper. fair. Right, he at least right. stood his ground and was like, yeah, I said, come here. And Jonathan Papelbon was a guy, you know, stood right <laughs> mm. there at the top of the dugout steps, and he took that hand to the throat, really, you know, I mean, it was... None it, of which I am uh, advocating for no, as no, things no. people Violence should do, is wrong. but Violence if you're talking about yelling at someone to the point, like, getting someone to fight you, and then either fighting them or running away after they're like, okay, yeah, I'll fight you... There's clearly a difference between guys yeah. in that role. And it sucks that we have to sit here and be like, well, Jonathan Papelbon and Hunter Strickland are <laughs> the right people to be behind in this no, argument. But that's, that's not what, what I was saying. writing. <laughs> that's not no. what we're saying at all. I mean, no. what, it, what was Hunter right Strickland up. even afraid of? If I remember correctly, Bryce Harper threw his helmet at him and missed by about 12 feet <laughs> somehow. So, Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. I mean, here's the thing. Bryce, I don't want him going after anybody with the elbow. I, I was nervous for him. And I know you heard Tom McCarthy say it on the broadcast too it's go just please protect the elbow don't get in there with your elbow with your i mean he had his all the other phillies players running onto the field and yeah. tom mccarthy's like get that elbow somewhere get, safe get the elbow somewhere safe no and he wasn't wrong not wrong no, no, that's why the other guys i'm assuming ran out there just like someone protect the elbow protect the elbow get in the service for his elbow i enjoyed in the in the background as of the shot of uh bird yelling and then clapping you can see the first Phillies player you see is Schwarber, and he's up on the railing yelling at Bird, who after he had yelled, and when he when Bird starts clapping, Schwarber's face goes from like, uh, like the, a light bulb turns on inside of his brain uh, of like, oh, oh, and like he he like knew what, the, and he started clapping dramatically back at him, and next thing you know, everybody's on the field. So I think a switch got flipped when he started clapping for. Just about everybody in the Phillies dugout. I love it. I love it. it. And I, that's the thing. They lost four to nothing on Sunday, but I love the energy. I, I do. I love the energy. And it all comes from Bryce Harper, who is 
who is every bit back that you could have ever okay. expected him to be back. I mean, I still, we still marvel at the at what he's doing at the plate. I mean, what he's doing at the plate, what he did in this series, the huge hits that he had in this series. He had a huge two-run double in the game on Friday. Had a huge two-run home run uh, in the ninth inning on Saturday to to lead uh, this team to wins. Coming into Sunday, uh, Jason, uh, uh, no, what was he? Yeah, was it? There's a Jason Stark tweet where he. Uh, Hang on a second. I just had it a second ago, and now it flew away from me. Um, he's hitting 344, 417, 500 with a home run, three RBIs, nine strikeouts, and four walks right now. I mean, coming into Sunday's game. Well, this is after not having a spring training, not having a rehab assignment. The, he took live ABs against Jeff, Jeff Hoffman, Ranger Suarez, and, a, and, and some kind of video pitch machine in the in the bowels of the Phillies clubhouse, 160 days after Tommy John surgery, and th- and this is what we're and he is he is in full midseason mode. I mean, you talk about a guy dialed in both at the plate and mentally. Give me, I mean, just it's it's crazy what we're seeing from him right now, Liz. I I'm I'm astonished that this is what we're getting right now. It's it's phenomenal. I mean, I've said it before. This is this is what they paid him for. You know, when the deal started, we were like, what happens in the middle of the deal? Well, this is happening. This is, you know, he's Bryce Harper and he returned from Tommy John surgery quickly and is back making an impact. And that's why they paid him all that money, because this is the player he is. This is what you want from him at this point. I mean, this is it's still weird that a player that the Philly side is doing exactly what they paid him to do. It still feels a little weird. But, you know, it's, you know, I don't know if they would have won the first two games of the series if Harper hadn't been back. To, to me, to that point, Harper hitting that home run, uh, that two-run shot uh, for what we would call insurance runs but felt incredibly necessary to win oh, the yeah. game against the Rockies, mm-hmm. that's just a signature moment. Uh, like, it, it'll, it'll not – it might make some highlight reels because it was a home run, but, like, in the grand scheme of things, it'll largely get forgotten. But moments like that are why he's here. He, he, you, you want so, so badly to have a guy in your lineup where you're like, boy, we could really use some runs, like, immediately. Not like mm-hmm. a slow burn of a couple of hits and maybe a lucky bat that gets us some runs. No, we need we need, just need to score here. We need to knock in some runs. We need to make up for lost opportunities. And Harper is one of those rare guys who comes up to the plate and can just do that. He can be human insurance runs when you need him to be. And that was exactly what the Phillies needed to win that game, which feels crazy to say because they were already winning it when he yeah, hit the home it, run. It felt like it was going to slip away, didn't Yes, it? but mm-hmm. it felt like it was slipping away as the Rockies scored and chipped away, and then he hit that home run, and it was like, we can do this. This is a wide enough margin. And as far as like his recovery goes, what's Harper going to do in the minor leagues other than <laughs> take, a, take a guy's spot, wreck a few pitchers' confidence, and then buy everybody dinner? That's I mean, exactly what I was going to say. A couple <laughs> of dinners, ruin a couple of pitchers' lives, have a little bit of fun, and leave. Like, what, remember that uh, when DeGrom went down a couple of times yeah. and he was always playing? I forget which minor league team that was, but they were just tweeting the whole time, like, just send help. Stop like, it. please. Are, <laughs> this is not with, okay. With that, it's even worse because he's pitching, like, you know, a couple innings. They all have to face him. Harper, at least, you know, gets a couple at bats and then gets pulled. But even so, we all know what it looks like after two weeks at spring training for Bryce Harper after, you know, a, a little bit of time recovering from a devastating injury for Bryce Harper going down to the minor leagues at this point in his, in his career is like playing T-ball in his backyard. Like he's just, he doesn't need to do that. So I'm glad that he was spending his time with what I believe you said was a supercomputer in the basement of citizens bank park, becoming even more powerful. 
It's just, it's beautiful. It, it, it's, he's, he's a beautiful man, and we're, we are lucky. The tweet that Jason Stark had was in his first game back, and this is coming into Sunday. In his first game back, he went over four with three strikeouts. Since then, he's gone to the plate 37 times, again, not counting Sunday, reached base 18 times out of 37 trips. Yeah. He's hitting 406, and he had Tommy John surgery five months and 20 days ago. This should not be possible. <laughs> Um, it's just something else when, and it's, it's really cool. Like I, I just love, I, even in a loss, like I, I walked away from the, from the game on Sunday feeling okay about things. I mean, it is infuriating. And I will say this, the, the Phillies have had this tendency over the last couple of years, going back to last year of winning the first two games of a series and losing that getaway game, which is just, just drives you crazy. You know, they got a, you get a chance for the sweep and, and you, you, you leave a good series on kind of a, a, a note where it's feeling kind of, you don't feel quite as good as you were, you were hoping to. So, I mean, it's okay. It's not a big deal. They won the series and they're still in really great shape. They are, and this tells you the state of the National League right now, they are one of six teams that have a 500 record or better. There are only six teams that have a 500 record or better. The Phillies are 20 and 20 at 500. They actually hold the third wild card spot right now. If the season were to end today, not for nothing. But <laughs> Pittsburgh, God. Pittsburgh is ahead of them at 22 and 19, and they're two and eight in their last ten. Um, they're, falling, Arizo- they're falling apart. They're, they're t- absolutely they're falling apart. Pittsburgh. Everyone's yeah, they're like, oh, they're no. falling apart. Like yep. no, no, no. This is what's supposed to happen. Yep, well, it's just is, sad because it was like right when they and their affiliates all got permission to tweet like, this is for real. We're like, <laughs> we're doing this. And as soon as they did that, they lost eight of ten. Turns like, oh, out, man. Turns out not for real. Um, Arizona, uh, 23 and 18. They're, they have a 561 <laughs> winning percentage. And then you got Milwaukee, Atlanta, and the Dodgers. Those are the, those are the six National League teams at, fi- at 500 or better. And, and the Marlins and Mets are one game under. You got a few teams at two games under here. So, I mean, it's it's still really early. We're not really looking at the, we're not really looking at standings necessarily here, but I just think it is interesting that um, the national league really has a lot of parity as compared to the American league when you've got 10 teams, 500 or better. So uh, between the two leagues right now, the American league has, has the upper hand, but as much as the Phillies have kind of been up and down so far this year, you could say the same thing for the Mets and the Padres and, and a bunch of other contenders that were supposed to be good. The national league is just, it's kind of wide open and it's, it's really been fortunate Justin because they have gotten off to this little bit of a slow start and you can really point to the starting pitching I know you guys talked about it in the last episode of the podcast no matter what you go over 14 with runners in scoring position you're probably not winning that game even if you're you get a good start from your starter and I don't know I guess here's my question Aaron Nola's start on Sunday was that a good start I'm counting it. I'm counting okay. it as part of the streak. If they hadn't had like a streak of four good starts from their starters in a row, mm-hmm. maybe I'm not looking at it as fondly. But he went seven innings. He went seven. And, yeah. And as yeah. you said, the runs that came in were at least halfway not his fault. The, the big issue in here in this game was the defense uh, really bobbling. And like you said, the offense not coming through. Those are two big things that are going to cost you a game where Aaron Nola went seven innings and only allowed four runs without an offense and with his defense finding a way to bumble pretty felt like every inning. So I, I'm not I don't feel bad about this loss and it doesn't make me think less of the Phillies starting pitching as I've started to feel better about that with with each passing game. I don't want to let them totally off the hook. This is a game they should have won. The fact that it was a third game in a series where they had won the first two and typically they don't, or, you know, a lot of teams don't 
automatically sweep when they win the first two games. That doesn't really do anything for me. Like, they should have won this game. The Rockies are an incredibly beatable team. The Phillies had one of their better starters on the mound, and they had shown that they were capable of creating and then building off of a lead in the past couple of days. And if even if all of that can be credited to, like, Bryce Harper, you still win this game. The, the Rockies scored four runs when they had every reason to score more than that. You know, the Phillies didn't bring an offense or a defense today and held the Rockies to four runs. I mean, mm. you should still, you should find a way to win that game, even if it's just in the last <laughs> inning. I don't care. So I didn't want to let them totally off the hook here, but it didn't really sink my enthusiasm for this team's surging starting pitching, which has been one of its biggest problems, but it only makes sense that after like on the fifth day in a row where they would have gotten like a really good start from their starter, which again, I feel like they did. uh, The defense had to show up and be like, don't forget, this is still a problem sometimes as well. And you had to be like, ah, nuts. That's right. Sometimes uh, Trey Turner is going to make a throwing error and blow up a double play. Sometimes Edmundo Sosa is going to bobble the ball and not be able to get the out. Like that stuff, when especially when it stacks up like it did today, yeah, that also is inexcusable. But all in all, this loss didn't feel as bad because of the winning the Phillies have been doing lately, the fight to get back to 500, and the fact they won that won five in a row. Yeah, they'd won yeah, five in a row. Just yeah, won five in a row, and and uh, and the fact that Aaron Nola's start wasn't really super discouraging, and the fact that this series had the return of Ranger Suarez, that was also cool. So I I, I didn't feel too bad about this loss, even though they definitely should have won the game. Yeah, and Liz, about Ranger Suarez, you know, he came back and started on Saturday. He was only able to go four innings. Again, it's a tough place to make your first start of the season in Denver when, you know, you're pitching in the thin air. Your sinker isn't going to sink as well as it ordinarily would because of the thin air. I know sinker ballers have a particular problem uh, pitching at Coors Field. Um, and then uh, I was on Taiwan Walker, I believe, on, on Friday night who pitched a, a heck of a baseball. Was it Taiwan on Friday night? It was Taiwan, right? I think yep. that was. Yeah, yep. Taiwan Walker on Friday walk, night. Exactly. Walker, yeah, Nola, Wheeler, yeah. Walker. And then Suarez, and then today. And right. uh, all, okay. most of those starts were great, and I gave Suarez a little bit of a pass because he was making his debut. Yeah, he was on a pitch count, wasn't he? Yeah. 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 I, mean, yeah. So that's, yeah. I think he was... Yeah, so he's as good as you could you could ask for, really, for his first start back at Coors, uh, yeah. the giant cavernous Coors. So, yeah, I was pretty happy with it. Yeah, I was too. I I think he was solid, and I'll tell you, I think the bullpen's been outstanding. Uh, oh, yeah. Even without with even in the absence of Jose Alvarado, that Jeff Hoffman guy looks like he can really pitch. I mean, he's you have, you just got this guy throwing ninety seven, ninety eight with a pretty good slider that they threw in there in a hold situation uh, with a again holding a two run uh, two run lead, and he was done in by an error in that inning. Trey, Trey I got to say, Trey Turner, the defensive metrics aren't really killing him just yet. He's he's at plus two defensive runs saved. He's at plus one outs above average and so you know the 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 defensive metrics don't look bad for him that doesn't include Sunday but he had he had a a bad play on Saturday a bad play on Sunday and I'm starting to think Liz that he's taking his offensive struggles into the field with him a little bit because he's supposed to be a well above average defensive shortstop and they have they've not gotten that from him so far this year in addition to kind of how he's falling short at the plate yeah, it definitely seems like, a, you know, let's sit down with the sports psychiatrist for a couple of minutes and, and try and figure out why this is happening, because he is good. I mean, and I hate that it's starting to feel like another Nick Castellanos where we just hold our breath yeah. this year and are just like, all right, well, next year. I would love for that not to happen, because uh, you don't get a do-over on the first year of your contract. That's not how it works. You're getting paid for all of it. So... You know, like we we just have to 
wait. I hate that that's what we have to do, but we just have to wait because we know that Trey Turner is an outstanding baseball player. He's going to do well with the Phillies. <laughs> it just doesn't happen to be right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and Justin, I he, it is a very similar scenario to what we saw with Nick Castellanos, as, as Liz mentions. I still don't think it's going to go that direction. I, I, I still think, and I know we were saying this about Castellanos last year, he's going to turn it around, he's going to turn it around, and it, it just it never really happened. But I, I do feel like his big issue right now is the strikeouts. He's at 25.6% strikeout rate, which is way above his career average. Last year he was at 18.5%, 17% the year before that. Um, he's been a well, above, a well below average offensive player for the shortstop position so far this year. But I really just, I, I have a hard time seeing this be the Trey Turner we get the whole season. And I'm, I'm just keep thinking back to the World Baseball Classic and the guy we saw there. Like, I, I, I just worry now that he's, like Castellanos, gotten so in his own mind with this funk that he's in that it's starting to build on itself a little bit. Uh, and and that's that's my concern. But wh- are, are you feeling like this is something he, he will break out of? Like, what are, the, what are the chances that this is a Castellanos reenactment? <laughs> uh, I, I really, I'm not, I don't feel that way. Um... I feel like if anything, Castellanos could be one of his biggest assets right now for him to be able to go to him. And regardless of what the specifics of what each of them were going through in each of their first year with the Phillies struggles, there's probably a productive conversation to be had in regards to like, hey, you know, you were struggling. It it, it continued to snowball. I think Liz is absolutely right. A, a conversation with the mental health, uh, mental skills coach is probably in order because I agree with you, John. I think he's putting all his all his uh, frustrations into a backpack and taking him out onto the field with him. And it is starting to impact his defense too. I mean, this is the kind of stuff that lives in a guy's brain. You know, when a pitcher struggles in a contract year, what's the first thing people point to? Oh, he's, he's thinking about getting his next deal. He's th- or, you know, he just got a deal. Now he's slacking off. I mean, there's things going on in these players heads outside of baseball that are going to impact how they play. I don't really need to know or want to know what's going on with Trey Turner. It could just be as simple as I'm just not in my rhythm and I can't get in my rhythm. Regardless of why, it's something that needs to get figured out, and I have confidence that it will because Trey Turner is an even better baseball player than Nick Castellanos when he was signed. He has, to see people be like, oh, this, well, this deal was a waste of money. This deal is a disaster, is obviously throwing in a lot of um, defeatism that is... Yeah definitive to uh, a lot of the fan circles we're talking about where it's like, well, this guy had a bad couple of weeks, so he's bad forever. I mean, (laughs) the kind of deal he's on isn't the kind of deal a guy gets because he just is terrible tomorrow and that begins a process where he's terrible forever. Trey Turner has spent a, a career becoming one of the best players in baseball. When he was on the market this winter, he was considered the best shortstop in baseball. He will not be near the top of the sport for probably a lot of his contract, but those days are not over. They're 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 not. Uh, we've seen too many players of his skill level stumble and get back up. I mean, what were we looking at last year? Juan Soto is a terrible baseball player, and the San Diego's deal to get him is a waste of everybody's. Oops, he's hitting three sixty eight and crushing it. <laughs> well, who would have thought that one of the best young stars and natural hitters ever seen in baseball in the modern era was suddenly going to figure out a way to hit a baseball, the thing he does better than a lot of people on the planet, that he was going to figure out how to do that again? Because 
Trey Turner's gonna figure it out too. I hope it doesn't take a full season. I hope this isn't a Nick Castellanos reenactment. We obviously have no way of knowing that that it is or it isn't, but I don't think it is. I think he's gonna figure it out. I think he's surrounded by too many resources, too many guys who know how to hit, too many guys who've been exactly where he is, and too many guys he knows personally and is friends with, who, who have his back, who support him. When Christian Pache went down with an injury, the Phillies pat him on the back and say, hey man, we got you, don't worry about it. You know, we're gonna be here when you get back get well soon, you know, this is a team. What do we see today? Oh, somebody yelled at the dugout. Let's go out there and kill him. This is a team <laughs> that is together and is one and is cohesive, and Trey Turner is part of it. They're going to rally around him, he's going to figure it out, and he's going to be an asset for this team in the way we all imagined in the second half of the summer at, at, at least. Well, and I, I think about how good this offense could be once Trey Turner actually starts producing. And, and Kyle Schwarber, for that matter, too, because Schwarber, again, I think you said it really well in the last podcast. He goes like 0 for 25, hits a huge home run, and then goes on, embarks on another like 1 for 26. I mean, it's just kind of it, it's kind of how he does things in, in April and May. But at some point, Trey Turner is going to get hot. We already see Bryce Harper and Nick Castellanos and JT Real Muto are hot. The daycare guys have cooled off a little bit. It just kind of... People thought Real Muto wasn't going to turn it around. Yeah, and he, yeah. was, he was the best. He was a couple days in a row, he was the best hitter on the team. He came up in a couple of clutch spots and was hitting line drives over guys' heads. There is going to be no version of this lineup, no matter how good it is, no matter who is hitting in it, where all nine guys are, are hitting the crap out of the ball. There yep. will never be a version of that lineup where you can't watch a game, see the Phillies win, and go, wow, that was great. I'm a little concerned that Alec Bohm is 0 for his last 12, though. <laughs> like, mm. like, it's a bunch of spinning plates on people's fingers. One of them is always going to be wobbling, if not more. I'm not saying Trey Turner hasn't been uh, something of a of an anchor at, uh, at times around this team's neck. He's certainly come up in some key spots and, and not come through for them in, in yeah. moments where he was brought in to do exactly that. And now seeing some hiccups on defense really isn't encouraging. But I do think he's going to turn it around because that's what baseball is. And there's no sure way to unfunkify a player. You know, I know Kevin Long is working with him on the strikeout thing, and I think if he can if he can stop the striking out so much, then he'll he'll really, you know, put the bat on the ball a little bit more. Trey Turner hits line drives. It's kind of that's just what he does, and the strikeouts on the high fastballs are, are really infuriating at the moment. And he hasn't had that signature moment yet in a Phillies uniform. All of his great moments in 2023 came at the World Baseball Classic. We haven't seen him really have a signature <laughs> Phillies moment yet, but that is going to happen at some point this summer. And, and may, it, might, it could happen starting tomorrow night in San Francisco or in Monday night in San Francisco. You know, I just, I, it's, it's frustrating. It's frustrating watching him right now. And especially since he's not doing a, a lot to help defensively in the field, but at least if he could shore up his defense and, until his offense comes around, that would be very helpful because the starting pitchers in the bullpen desperately need him to help anchor the middle of the defense. They have enough issues elsewhere. They don't need they don't need a guy that supposedly has an above average glove to be someone else who's part of the leaky faucet here. So um, we'll see. And I don't I agree with you. I don't think we're looking at a Castellanos redux. I don't think it's going to take him the entire season to try and muddle through this and, and get through this. And even if it does look at Castellanos this year, I mean, he did figure it out. He's, I don't, do you, all right, let me ask this question. Is Castellanos like officially over whatever it was last year? It sure seems to me like he's over whatever was bothering him last season, which I, I mean, he looks like he did in the years leading up to, to 2022. Oh yeah. I mean that Castellanos when we're seeing now is the real guy. Whoever we saw yeah. last year was, 
a pod person imposter something like yeah like he's like back yeah it, it feels wrong to say he's back because in reality he didn't go anywhere but like the guy that they signed is here I think that if you weren't convinced Nick Castellanos was back, the moment he robbed that home run and then acted like he didn't just kind of proved there was, you know, his version of loose is just like being withholding and (laughs) being difficult and tricky. And that was him at his peak. And I think he was comfortable enough to do that because, yes, he is he is back. I mean, this guy can't go a couple of nights without a multi hit game anymore so like yeah. that level he's definitely on and now he's also just like oh, i'm dancing down the third baseline wriggling inside the pitcher's head like a brain worm or i'm pretending i didn't catch this baseball that was an amazing catch just to drag it out a little more and make the astros fans more miserable that not only like was the is the guy who's hitting 325 the guy that the phillies thought they signed but like the joker that he is is also <laughs> yeah. the guy that that's who people were thinking about when you were thinking about signing Castellanos the guy we saw in clips where he was throwing his flipping his bat slamming his bat yelling at guys on the other team emphatically slamming home plate after a home run like that's the guy we said he's gonna play well in Philadelphia and I don't mean necessarily production wise I mean he's just he's going to play well with Philadelphia yeah yeah and, yeah that's we're seeing both versions of that now, and that is the guy that we we wanted the Phillies to sign. So it's that he's here is a huge boon. I love how much he hates the Astros. <laughs> yeah, <That's something> like <laughs> them going to visit the Astros and him being like, "Yes, I hate all of this. I hate having to be here. I hate having to think about last year. The only thing that's getting me on the field is the idea that I might get revenge on them and make the players and the fans unhappy." I'm like, yes. Welcome home. I think Nick I think Nick Castellanos hates the Astros more than I do, but I think the only person who hates something more than Nick Castellanos hates the Astros is apparently Bryce Harper hating the, the Colorado Rockies, Rockies yeah. organization. <laughs> well, saying on two different nights saying that they were a joke what is it, a joke of an organization. I'm cutting out the expletives. A loser uh, yeah, yeah, thank you. A loser organization last night to some fans and then apparently due to some lip reading today he also said it to the Rockies. So yeah, it's something he he seems to believe. And why not? I mean, they are. He, answer me, Rockies fans. Is he wrong? Right. Show us no, evidence he's not to wrong the contrary. At all. Exactly. No, he's not wrong at all. And that was one of the things. If you There's a couple of tweets out there with some video lip reading where he does appear to be yelling at the Rockies during the bench clearing brawl. <laughs> you know, you're a loser organization. You know, every, every single, single one of you. One of every you. single I one love of you. That. <laughs> it's beautiful. Has has there ever? Is there a more? I I don't know that there's ever been a more perfect marriage of athlete and city than than Bryce Harper and and Philadelphia. Well, I would have said Embiid at one point. But that was, let's not talk about him one. today. But we're not, not we're not going down that no, road. We're right not going now. down that road just I yet. Think, uh, uh, I think John. I think John Oh, Jason Kelsey. You're right. Jason Kelsey's number one. I wrote on Yahoo Sports a few years ago that I believe that he understands Philadelphia and Philadelphia fans better than anybody else, really. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think the whole Mummers Parade thing and and the speech and stuff like that is 100% correct. 100%. Bryce does it in his own way. It's a little different. but I think he took the baton from Kruk because I think Kruk has also always understood exactly what this city was about and, Mm -hmm. you know. 
it, it didn't have like as prolific a career as guys were talking about like Harper and Embiid and and everything. But like he's he still he every time he talks about Philadelphia, every time he talks to Philadelphia and specifically Phillies fans, he knows exactly who he's talking to. And that is yeah, that that is something that Bryce Harper is also capable of doing. I also want to say we're during this brawl. Jose Alvarado also oh, yeah. out on the field, not in uniform, wearing nope. a sleeve on his arm, no, no hat. <laughs> and by the way, we, we found out that Jose Alvarado, since last year, every time was it every time the Phillies hit a home run, he creates, uh, he wraps up a towel to make it look like a raw chicken, and, and they hang. <laughs> They hang the towel from from the dugout or from the, from the bullpen, so that it looks like there's a like a chicken that you'd get in like a like a, a wet market or like in, in an Asian store in, in China in Chinatown. <laughs> or something. You know major what I mean? Like league of them. <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's just hysterical. It totally looks like a chicken. It's so funny. All right. Well, the uh, the Phillies, uh, not the Eagles. The Phillies <laughs> are getting ready to take on their old pal Gabe Kapler this week. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They mm. are. Playing uh, late into the evening out west against the San Francisco Giants for a three-game series out there. The Giants uh, were expected to be a pretty good team this year, or at least be in the conversation uh, for a playoff spot. They're struggling so far this year, 17-23. and 23. They're eight and a half games back uh, in the National League West, and they've lost three in a row, uh, four out of their last, and they've, they're four and six in their last ten. So the Giants not playing real good baseball as the Phillies head into San Francisco. And I'll be honest, I, I kind of totally have forgotten about Gabe Cap. I think that's one of the mm-hmm. things the 22 World Series run did was just kind of wipe that clean, just wipe those memories away with with Philly Rob in, in charge. You know, I'm kind of like, yeah, I don't the Giants aren't going to bother me. Gabe Kapler is not going to bother me. I, I wonder if that'll change. You know, once the once the series starts, and I, you know, we've all we all had interactions personally with Gabe Kapler um, when he was forgot managed. about that too. Yeah. Forgot about that. Sometimes <laughs> you forget about that. But yeah, hey, the Phillies manager's texting me. What's that about? Um, but it was always very interesting and always, you know. It was a fascinating time to be uh, to be covering the team when Gabe Kapler was here. But um, I don't know. Are we kind of over feeling anything about yeah. you know his time here in Philadelphia now? Yeah. Until you until you said that, I forgot that was even an aspect. Me too. Of, of playing the Giants, and honestly, I I yearned for this day at one point. I mean, the the first year he was gone, and the Giants were doing so well, and all you could think was just like, oh boy, what if, uh, <laughs> what if, yeah. what if, what if and, they went over? He had a lot of zealots in his corner, even in yep. Philadelphia when he left. And then that feature came out where they talked to like one of his friends who was like, yeah, Philadelphia just ran him out of town because he was just like this interesting, pensive, intellectual guy. And it just didn't match with the city. And it was just so infuriating to have to feel. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills here. We're talking about a guy who failed to communicate, was part of a huge amount of dysfunction within the organization, who was supposed to be a very good communicator. I don't need to read you the laundry list of complaints we had against Gabe Kapler. We spent a couple of years saying them on every episode. So it's really gratifying to reach a point in Philly's history where him being the manager of another team isn't headline news anymore. And I think you're right. I think a run to the World Series with a different manager and a different bunch of guys really uh, did a lot for cleansing this team of a lot of the toxins that remained in its system uh, from, you know, even just like the 2018 to 2021 years where they were like kind of close, hadn't really figured it out, still trying a few things. Really seemed like they could be a playoff team, but weren't. And uh, finally breaking through, I think, just detached that train car and let it drift into the distance. I, I, I think Gabe Kapler's a part of that. I think it helps that the Giants stop being good. 
I think oh, our yeah. oh, yeah. I think our big fear was like my he came there and he took this ragtag group of guys who were supposed to be mediocre and made them better than mediocre. And we were like, this You won hundred games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just. I, we're not going to talk about the number of games he won. Um, we're just going to talk about how many did he win in Philly? How many? How good of a manager was he here? Oh, not very. Not a hundred. I bet. Nope. nope. Don't even have to check the stats nope. to know that. No, but I think it helps that you know it. We we were all worried that he was like magic, and it, we were all. We it was the Phillies that were broken and would always be. Uh, but well. then the Giants. But then the Giants. Listen, I'm not saying that's not true. Um, but then the Giants went back to being bad because they're not actually a very good team. <laughs> they right. just had like a, a stroke of pirates luck for an entire season. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I mean, they turned Darren Ruff into a quality big league player. I mean, if that's I love Darren Ruff to death, and I was really happy that he had some success late in his career. But goodness gracious, that was uh, that was some voodoo magic that they had going on in San Francisco that yeah. first year with Gabe Kapler. So, it was a magic uh, year. It was a nonsense really was. fantasy year. And I think once yeah. that went away, we were all like, oh, he's exactly the guy that we thought he was, and he definitely does play better in San Francisco. And it ended the same way that every, uh, most National League playoff teams seasons ended in the mid-2010s to early 2020s with a divisional series loss to the Los Angeles Dodgers. That's right. So at the end of the day, it was really nothing special. Really nothing special. It was a whole lot of trouble for nothing. There you go. Well, we'll see how things play out over these uh, next three games. Phillies looking to uh, keep their winning ways going. Again, understanding they lost on Sunday, but having won five in a row, uh, won a series in Colorado for the first time in more than a decade, and uh, taking on a Giants team that is not very good. This is a a series the Phillies should also win, even understanding it is a little tougher to play out west. All right, uh, let's do some final thoughts here real quick. Uh, Justin, any final thoughts from you as we wrap up? Yeah, uh, when I heard Jeff Hoffman was pitching, I had uh, no idea who he was, and I assumed he was a guy who uh, played softball with my dad. That was about oh. the level of familiarity I had with him. Not specifically, he just sounds like that. He sounds like the guy who's been fixing your dad's muffler for the last 15 years. Turns out he's got like an eight-year Major League Baseball career. Um, <laughs> don't look at his numbers. They're not good. But for now, his numbers with the Phillies after two appearances, wee. So, yeah, I feel pretty good going into this series with the Giants. Uh, I feel pretty good about the Phillies, and I feel even better that we are not a Philadelphia 76ers podcast. I, exactly <laughs> right. The second, the, the, the last part, absolutely 100%. Yeah, it's always fun when you stumble on a guy who's throwing all of a sudden 98 with a, a wicked slider. They say that he really caught the attention of the Phillies staff because of the bullpens he was throwing to Bryce Harper. Like, that was the reason he kind of got on their radar. So, uh, very interesting. A double-sided effect there from uh, from Bryce Harper's recovery. Liz, final thoughts from you. Uh, just uh, another uh, request to everyone. Go find the video online of uh, Bryce Harper and the confrontation with the Rockies. Because uh, I, I watched it a few more times uh, as we were going. And what I really love is it's like he's having a conversation with a person. It's very much like he's like actually talking to a human, making like the hand motions. He's so yep. disdainful. He hates them so much. You can tell he's so happy to get out of there. Do me a favor and go watch it. It will brighten whatever day you're having. Yeah, it made the 4 nothing loss 
kind of worth it, if I'm going to be honest with you about it. Because it's 162 games. They're going to lose a bunch of games. At least the end of this one was kind of fun and entertaining. And, you know, it wasn't, it's not going to join the pantheon of all-time Phillies brawls or anything like that. Oh, yeah. But um, th- through the beauty of lip reading, um, it, it, it actually became quite a bit of fun. So uh, definitely agree with Liz. Make sure that you catch that and check that out. All right, everyone, that's going to do it for this edition of Hit and Season. Um, want to make sure that you guys check out all of our podcasts and everything, all of our write-ups for all the podcasts that we do over at BillyPen.com. We have a special landing page for you there, BillyPen.com slash Hit and Season. You can find all of our podcasts right there. And, of course, the Dirty Inning continued success and a bunch of our other bonus podcasts are located at our Hit and Season Patreon. Go to Patreon.com slash Hit and Season so you don't miss an episode of the Dirty Inning or continued success or any of the movie reviews we do anything else that's happening at the patreon that's where you go to get all of that stuff there's Thanks a new so- episode of the dirty inning on Vita, Vita blue and the 1981 phillies playing in one of the most devastating windstorms in candlestick park history live on the patreon right now free and, for all and the Vita, the passing of Vita blue there's the hook right there and uh, mm-hmm. you know obviously a great episode great time to listen to that so again patreon.com slash hit and season Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time right here on Hitting Season.